What is the church? Is the church a building? Is the church a pastor? Or the staff? Is the church the music? The tradition? Or the ministries? These are all good things, but they are not the church. Take them away, and the church is still here. Why? Because you are still here. The church is you. The church is you with a purpose. The church is you on a mission. The church is you with a plan, a simple plan to plug into God at a weekend service, to charge up in a small group community, to live out using your gifts and passions, and to pass on your faith to those who do not know Christ. When you and I live like this, all the things we used to do in church become things we do as the church. God desires it. The world needs it. And we are called to be it. What is the church? The church is you. Amen. Good morning, everyone. We uh, have been starting a new series, as you can tell, about the church. We're into our second week, and uh, if you're new to Living Word, what we do is we take a topic, we do a series or a book of the Bible, and we just talk about it till we're sick, sick of it, and uh, then we move on to the next one. And uh, what we're doing right now is we're looking at the topic about the church, what exactly is the church. And what we're going to do today in this series is really define what particularly is the church. But before we do that, listen, I, I am, so, how many of you thankful for our country and thankful for those that serve this country? And um, amen. Uh, tomorrow is Veterans Day and we're just so thankful for those men and women that, that serve our armed forces and those that have served. So if you've served or are serving, would you just stand up and let us recognize you this morning and just give our, uh, just gratitude for serving our country. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you guys for, for serving. So let's just pray and, uh, and, and just ask God just to, to, to bless our time together. I also want to just, as we just go to the Lord in prayer this morning, I just want to give you an update. Many of you uh, uh, were praying for a young man, a young, just turned to be a teenager, 13 years old, Dominic, who had a, uh, a heart transplant, and Jim and Marion Schreibner's, uh, that's their grandson uh, that come to our church, and he is doing wonderful. He, he has got out of the hospital. He's come home from New York City last week, and I know many of you have been following up on Facebook, and, and uh, God is good. And uh, we thank God for, for what he's doing in that young man's heart. And so we just continue to pray for the family and for Dominic as, uh, as God continues to, to bring healing to his life. Isn't God good? God is so good. And we just love him. Amen. He's good. Amen. Amen. So, Lord, we just come before you today. And, and God, we want to thank you. 
for all you do for us each and every day in our lives. Lord, I want to thank you first for our country. I thank you, Lord, for those that are serving right now. Lord, we pray for their protection, and we thank you, Lord, for what they do every single day. And Lord, we we appreciate that. We owe a debt of gratitude for what they're doing each and every day. We thank you for those that have served our country so diligently, God, and we give you the glory for that. We thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy to be able to even come here today and just worship you uh, without the fear of persecution. So we thank you for that today, God, and we thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy today, God. Lord, we just thank you for your healing touch in our lives each and every day. Lord, for what you do for us each and every day, the things that we don't even see sometimes that you do. And God, I just pray for this message. I just pray, God, that you would just uh, move in our hearts, show us today truly what the church is, that, God, we would see it more than, than, than just something we come to each and every Sunday, but that we're part of something so much greater than we can even see, God. And so, Lord, I just pray that, we would, uh, we would just, that you would just open up our hearts and our minds to this, to this message today and what you're going to do in our hearts. So we just thank you, and we just give you the glory. And I thank you for everyone that's here this morning, God. And I just pray that you would just, uh, uh, just touch them and let their hearts be open to the word. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's children said... Amen. Amen. Um, What I want to do this morning is I really just want to, I really, we have so many different definitions of of what the church is. And um, some of you that maybe were brought up in the church, you know, church equals boring. You know, as me as a child, I was dragged to church when I was a kid and I had to sit through 58 minutes of complete um, boredom. And it was just just a small part of the segment of of my week and you'd go to church and then I'd live my life the way I felt like I needed to live it. Some some see church as not being relevant or dealing with real life stuff. Uh, Some see church as just a bunch of of, 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 of hypocrites. Some would say that, you know, where there are two or three people gathered, there's the church. And actually that scripture actually deals with, with church discipline. Is church simply two or three, four people sitting on the beach playing a guitar. Is, is, that, is, is that the church? Um, some would say, well, I have church at home. I don't need to go to be with other Christians. But let me tell you, that's not the church. That, that's not the church. So we need to understand what is the church. And what I want to do is I want to define it as, as biblically as I can. And here's the statement that I just want to just drill into your brains this morning. You've, you've, we've got to get this because I, we have a misunderstanding of what the church is. And if we don't have the correct understanding of the church, it can stymie what God wants to do in our lives and, and what God wants to do as a whole through, through his kingdom here on earth. Let me define as biblically as I can what the church is. The church is a movement, not a location. Thank you. Where are those little signs we had? Because we need them right now. Okay, that's okay. Oh, right here. Okay, no. Irie's going to get them for me. Irie, will you work the crowd for me just a little bit? Okay. He's really an amen. Okay, there we go. We got Tracy in the front. Okay, so, so if you're taking notes, just write that down, that the church is a movement not necessarily a location. So we're going we're gonna to define that. We're going to get it. So, so from its very foundation, the church started as a movement. So, so where did we get the idea? Where did we come to the notion 
that the church was simply a place. And so what I want to do this morning, hopefully I will not bore you. I'm going to try to make this as exciting as I can. But for those of you that love church history, you are like, yes, I came to church this morning because I love church history. And then, amen. Okay, Tracy. Good. Okay, good. We've got one person that loves church history. Okay, good. And then there's some of you like, oh no, church history. This is going to be boring. But I'm going to try to make it as exciting as I can for you this morning. And I got, let me just say, I, I got some great insight here. Really appreciative of some of Andy Stanley's insight here on the origins of the church. And I, I'm really thankful for some of the things I got from one of his books here. But let's, but, I, listen, I believe this is so vital for us to understand as a church. And, and, and if we don't understand this, because we're trying to lay a foundation and a vision over these next a couple of weeks, this four-week series about what the church is. And I believe God wants to take us to the next level. And I believe if we're all on the same page here, if we all understand the same vision of what God has called living word to, I believe we can do great and mighty things and God can propel us forward. And I believe this is so important for us to understand. And, and if we don't understand this, then, then I think what's going to happen is we end up seeing church And it's going to morph into church becomes more for church people. And it's not really a vehicle that God uses to reach lost people. Okay, so let's be careful because as I love church and, and, and we talked about last week, some of you were raised in church. Some of you were outsiders. You never were raised in church. You don't get all the Christianese. You don't, you, you don't understand all these things. And God blends these two groups of, of people together. But if we're not careful... We can come to a place long enough and our hearts can be hardened. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's like that, that thing that's in the corner of, of your room or your closet. You see that thing there all the time and you know, oh, I gotta, I gotta throw that out or I gotta do this or that. But you become numb to it because you just see it all the time and then someone else comes and they say, what's that thing in the corner? Why haven't you thrown that out yet? Oh yeah, I gotta get to it. The problem is we become numb to those things because we just become used to doing the same thing over and over. And what happens is our hearts can become hardened to the very vision that God desires to do in our hearts. And that's to reach more people for the kingdom of God. That more people will be drawn in to the kingdom of God. Jesus came to seek and save that which was found? Lost. Jesus came to seek lost people. We we've, we've have to get that because if we're, if, we're, if we're not careful, church can turn into a place for church people and not a place where we're drawing in lost people. So let, let's get the meaning behind the church. And the first time we see this is when Jesus talks to Peter. So if you have your Bibles, um, turn to Matthew chapter 16. If you don't have one, there's a Bible right there in the front of the seat in front of you. you can, if you don't have a Bible, you can keep that. That's our gift to you. But let's look at Matthew uh, 16. We're going to look at verses 16 to 18. And listen to, listen to what Jesus says to Peter as he speaks to him about what the church is and, 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 and how we are to uh, see the church. And so listen to what, what is said here. It says, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That, that's Peter's confession. He understood, he's confessing who Jesus is, that you are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. You're the one that we're waiting for. And then listen to how Jesus replied. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. 
I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What is going on here? What Jesus is saying is, Jesus is saying is that upon Peter's confession, he will build this movement. Not a building, but a, a movement. And we have to understand before the invention of concrete, the most important part of any building was the cornerstone. And the, the, the cornerstone was placed in a determined place that every other stone would be placed. And every other stone in the foundation had to be square with the cornerstone. So Peter, Peter's confession that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God, would be the foundation of this new movement called the church. Called the church. And today, this is still the unifying agent for the church. It's this confession of faith upon Jesus Christ being the son of the living God, being the anointed one, the Messiah, who has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's the unifying agent for this movement that propelled a huge gathering in the first century. So Jesus gives Simon, it's funny because Jesus gives Simon the name Peter. This is kind of a play on words because Peter's name, Petros, really means rock or, or really stone. And so what Jesus is saying is Jesus would be the cornerstone that everything else would be built upon. And Peter would be the stone that would be built upon Christ. And Peter would later write in one of his own letters, one of his own epistles, that we are all living stones. That we are all Peter's. That, that we are all Petros, the Greek, for rock or stone. We would be the ones that would be built upon that cornerstone. So let's, let's look at what Peter says here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And let's flip over there. And so I, I want you to see that the church is more than just a stagnant building. The church is living, it's breathing, it's active, it's moving. It's bigger than anything you and I could ever think of, Right? Okay, so 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5, and let's see um, how he describes us, those living stones and chosen by God. He says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like what? Living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so what, what he's saying here is Peter's saying that the church is not a building, it's living. It cannot be contained inside of a building. How many know that when you leave the campus of Living Word, there's a little sign in the driveways you drive out? You know what it says? Now you're all like, okay, I got to better check it out. There's three crosses there. It says what? You are now what? Oh, you guys read that. Good. I'm giving you some applause. Good job. Good job, living word. Okay, you are now, right? Because you can't contain it here on this 20-acre campus. God forbid that this is the only place where God moves. 
Man, if this is it, if it's just in this building, that's dead and lifeless. God says, no, people of living word, I want you to move out of these pews and go into your workplace, go into your neighbors, because all of you are living stones. You are not dead. You are alive. And where you go, Christ is with you. That's the body of Christ. Okay. You guys are with me. You guys, I feel it. I'm feeling you. I'm feeling you. This is good. So, so Peter's saying, listen, you are, you are a chosen and, 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 and precious. You are living stones built upon Jesus Christ who is alive today. That's what makes the church the church. And that's what makes the church so powerful because it is alive. And so we are that spiritual house, which means we are continually growing and growing and growing. Now, the problem is this. Where did we get mixed up and see the church as a place and not a movement? And and that's where we need to be careful because the word church translated in the Greek, as we see here in the New Testament, is the word ekklesia. And what it simply means, it's not a religious term. It simply means an assembly, a gathering, a meeting of people called out for a specific purpose. Here's the problem. The word was never intended to mean a literal place. It was never intended to mean that. Ecclesia is always used to explain a gathering of people who are united by a common identity, not a specific place. So some of you are thinking, Pastor, why doesn't the church just use the word gathering instead of the word church? I'm glad you asked. So I'm going to explain this to you. Okay, where did the word church come from? Our English word church come from? And where did we get the notion that it became a building instead of a movement? This is important. And some of you are thinking, when is this message over? Not so quick, because we're going to get a little church history here. So this is important, because we get this correct, we'll get the true meaning of what the church is. What happened in early church history is the movement of God settled for a location. And that basically put the dagger in the movement. And if you studied anything about church history, the church went through a very dark period where it stagnated and became a movement that died and became more of traditions, more liturgy, more hierarchy. People came and they became spectators and not movers in their communities. And that's what began, if, you know, if you've studied any of church history, that's what happened. And so what began to happen is this movement began to die. And thus, most people think of the church as a location and not a movement. And, and you know, we all say it because we all say, well, we're going to church. When does church start? Those people at Living Word Church are really weird. They're really strange. You know, we, 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 all, we all equate the church to this place, this building, And we all do that. But I want you to understand something. Before 300 AD, the the Roman Emperor Constantine, followers of Christ met everywhere. In fact, it was illegal to be a Christian, and it was very dangerous, and many followers of Christ Christ lost their lives. They they met everywhere. They they were hiding. It was almost kind of like the church in China today. They they met everywhere. They kind of hid out. But the church was growing because of the persecution. Because why? The church could not be relegated to a place. You can't stop it. 
And so they met everywhere, and the church exploded. But what happened is Constantine became a Christian, and everything changed. And what began to happen after 300 AD, it became legalized to be a Christian. Uh, Two-day weekends, thank Constantine. Because what had most Christians, because the, the beginning of the week was on Sunday, right? And they wanted to worship Jesus on Sunday because that's when he rose. They would wake up real early in the morning to do it in the catacombs and they would begin to worship. And then they'd have to, to go to work. And so Constantine says, oh, I'll just, I'll just, I'll give you off that day. So you got Sabbath and Saturday and you got Sunday. You got a two-day weekend. So thank Constantine for your two-day weekend, those that you enjoyed that. Can I get an amen? I knew I was going to get it there. I knew I was going to get it there. Okay, so that's where we get our two-day Weekend. But what happened is, is it became popular and accepted, and worship became more extravagant. There became more ornate clothing, more formal, a hierarchy. People now became spectators. And when this happened, it stopped being a movement where people shared a unique identity to something that was relegated to a location. And what they called these places were basilicas. And it's, a, it's Latin for building where people would meet. And so you're thinking, well, where still did we get that name church from, the English word church? Well, here's where it came from. Christianity also influenced Gothic cultures or German cultures. And what they would do is they use this word church and their meaning for it was called the house of the Lord. This was a gathering place, whether it was for Christian or for pagans. So this Gothic or Germanic term caught on, and it's where we eventually got our word church. Now, how did it make its way into the Bible? So you think, well, what's the big deal? The word church is not a direct translation from the Greek, from that word ekklesia. It's a substitution for the Greek, and not only is it a substitution for the Greek, it's not even a, a good one. And so this German meaning and the original ecclesia are two very different terms. The German term is a location. The Greek term is a gathering. And so why is this important? Because people started to define church by a location and not a movement that was defined simply by a simple understanding of who Christ is and what he came to do. And so what the church ended up morphing into is this very powerful and corrupt entity. They were the only ones who had the word of God, if you study anything of the Middle Ages. The written, it was written in a language that not many people understood in, in Latin. Um, it, it was even the services were in, in, in Latin. And this became a, a very detrimental part of church history. And during the Middle Ages, even in Europe, the, 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 the Bible was even chained to the pulpit so that it wouldn't get stolen. And what began to happen is this grassroots movement became institutionalized. And what was a great movement of God got relegated to a building. And how many know when you begin to put relics in a building, what do we call that today? A museum. A a what? A museum. That's what happens. We end up, we get these relics, and we begin to worship the past. We begin to institutionalize it, and all of a sudden, it turned into a museum, not a living, breathing movement that God desired to move through. And that's what makes the Reformation in the 1500s so powerful, because what happened is some men of God 
grabbed a hold of the Bible and began to translate it into common language, such as the Tyndale Bible. And many people got the word of God and began to read it for themselves and said, wait a minute, this is what it means. And so that's what started the great reformation and began to change things about how church was to be done. So now you, you ask yourself, well, Pastor Barton, why is this so important today? Because if we are not careful, we can end up doing the same thing, where church is defined by a place and not a movement of people giving their lives to Christ. Now, listen, buildings aren't bad. I, I, this wonderful facilities that we have here at Living Word, buildings are not bad, but buildings without people is a building. What, what makes this building special is the people of God that have come together to worship Christ, to be taught, to be fed, to invite others in, and then to be propelled into the world as the movement of God. And so let's not make this something that it isn't. What makes this what it is is that the people of God are here, and it's a movement that God desires to use to propel us into the world. And so we must see church as a gathering Uh, different gatherings locally here at Living Word, and we're just part of a worldwide gathering of others who have claimed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So this is what we must concentrate on if if we're going to continue to be this movement of God. People are much more important than buildings. It's about people. Jesus came for people. The message of the gospel has to be paramount over our traditions, liturgy, or hierarchy. It's about people. If we miss this, it's so easy to get caught up in our traditions and what we hold sacred, and those things become much more important to us than people. Listen, you're not confirmed into the church through a confirmation class. You're not, you're not confirmed into the church by joining membership. You are confirmed into the body of Christ through your salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, now let me back up a little bit here. Membership or confirmation classes are not bad in themselves, but they cannot save you. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna next week, I'm going to talk about why we value membership at our church so important and why biblically I believe I can make a strong point for that and and, and why we need to be part um, of of a local uh, group of believers because we've got to define what what defines a church and we've got to see church of of people getting baptized and celebrating communion together. I mean, sitting on the teaching of God's word. We, we've got to define this. So next week, we're going to really dig into why we see membership at Living Word is so vital in some of the particular things we do and, and how we see that that is biblical as part of being part of the body of Christ. So none of these things are wrong in themselves, but we can't trust them for our salvation. And so the question we need to ask ourselves is what is the church? Is the church simply a place I come to get married? Is is the church simply a place I come to get buried? Is is the church um, 
uh, just this place that we go to, it's just that place on the corner or, or you know, on the outskirts of town. It, 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 do I see the church as a place to go or is it a worldwide movement that is empowered by Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit? I mean, th- that's why it's so important. We need to understand what the church is for. And, and I just want to close with this because I love this passage in Luke 19, describing Jesus's encounter with a sinner. And and let me just be brutally honest with you as your pastor. I think what can happen is when we get part of a a local body of believers, we can end up distancing ourselves from the world and begin throwing grenades at the world and begin to point our finger at the world and say, they're not like us. They're bad. They're sinners. They're this. They're that. And then we we get into our little holy huddle, right? Get into our little holy huddle. We all come to church at Living Word. We all gather together like like hens around, like little chickies around the mother hen, right? And and, and then we end up saying, look how bad the world is. Oh, look look how it's getting. Oh, oh, we, we need to we need to continually separate ourselves from that. Now, do we need to protect ourselves? Yes. Do we do we need to guard our heart, hearts from immorality? Yes. But when did we start insulating ourselves from the world? See, what the church can turn into is this us for and no more, right? And, and we all get into our little holy huddles and, and, and we, we, we begin to create a church culture, right? This church culture that, 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 that you know, we, we, you know, you listen to Christian music, you, you watch Christian TV, you eat Christian food, right? You wear Christian clothes, you have Christian bumper stickers, we have all this stuff and we begin to create, none of those things are wrong. None of them are wrong. I love Christian food, it's the best. My dog Mopsy's saved. I got a Christian dog, Right? We all, right? We all get in so Christian. We just, people, that's the church. When it ceases to be a movement, we'll die. We'll die. We have to see church, not for church people, but for lost people to come in and find redemption and to be something far greater than what we see locally here at Living Word. That they come in and they're part of the kingdom of God. i got to get my glasses. Let me just read this to you in closing. I love this. Jesus entered, uh, Luke 19, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief of the tax collectors and was very wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, and being a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up on a sycamore tree for Jesus he wanted to. How many of you knew that song growing up in Sunday school? All you church people, I love you. Okay, so he wanted to see Jesus being a short man, and, and, and so he climbed up in this tree, and, and climbed up in the sycamore tree. He wanted to see, I, I just want to sing that song. So since Jesus was coming his way, and when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus! Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, which basically means they all began to complain. They all began to poo-poo that situation. They began to stick their noses up and they began to say, well, how could he go to this sinner's 
house. So they began to mutter. They began to complain. They began to, they began to judge. And so all the people began to mutter, he has gone to the guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody of anything, I will pay back him four times the amount. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. What Jesus did was he stepped right into the mess. Culturally, if you were to go into a sinner's house, you would be considered a sinner too. To even, to even dine with them was a sign of intimacy. So for Jesus to take this step in front of every, and everyone risked his reputation to be seen with the quote-unquote sinner. What Jesus did was he stepped out of his comfort zone. What would be comfortable? What would everybody want to see? What would everybody want to make sure that, that he doesn't look bad? And Jesus stepped out of his comfort zone, invited himself to, Z to Zacchaeus' house, which was a sign of intimacy, which he didn't do, especially with a sinner, a known sinner. And what happened? Salvation came to that house. Zacchaeus repented because Jesus reached out to the sinners. Listen, if we're going to be a movement, we got to do all we can to continually reach out to this world with the message of Jesus Christ. You know how many Zacchaeuses live in your neighborhood? Let me just tell you, let me just tell you a quick story and then we're going to pray. There's a girl who came three weeks ago and this girl's husband's in jail. She's got a little boy. Hasn't been to church. Came with a friend. Came up after the service. Sat in the front row. Bawling because she felt like she wasn't worthy. She felt like, how can anyone accept me? I've made so many mistakes in my life. How can Christ receive me? I'm damaged goods. If you just knew. And she was broken before the Lord. And found salvation and healing. For her life through Christ Jesus. You know why? Because when she walked through this door, nobody cared about her background. They loved on her. She didn't get that. She said, why, are people, why, why would you care? Why do people love? Why, why, I don't get it. Why? Because she walked through the door and people loved on her. They didn't care. We, we don't care what your background is. Jesus loves the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe him shall not perish but have ever lasting life. People, the church is going to get messy. The church is full of messy people with messy backgrounds, with all kinds of dysfunctions and all bad choices we made. That's what the church is for. That's why the church is so vibrant and so beautiful when it works through God's grace. When we begin to love people and begin to show them the love of Christ and let God do the restoration in their heart, let them come to repentance and find God's grace, Ooh, the church doesn't look any more beautiful than that. People, let's be careful that we haven't allowed our hearts to grow cold. Let's be careful that we haven't gotten so... Believe me, I've been a Christian over 30 years, 
And for some reason, over the last month, God has just been reminding me of when I first came to him. I was listening to old music that I used to listen to, and it's just like flooding back, like, Bard, don't forget what you were like. Don't forget how sweet it was when you came to me. There are people that come to Living Word every week with those same inhibitions, with the same fears that you had when you came to the kingdom. But look at how people loved you into this kingdom. I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve his grace. We had a family that a family member of this church is praying for a daughter. Daughters made mistakes. A lot of mistakes. She came Thursday night to our trunk or treat outreach. She came. She was just going to come and then leave. She stayed the whole night as she went to the gym and played the games with her daughter and saw how people loved on her. This mom and dad has been praying for a daughter. You know what? We just built a bridge with that daughter. And the dad was so excited because she has such a good view of living word now that we're not as weird as she thought we were. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> People, that's the church. That's the church. Let's be a movement and not a location. Let's be one that God is breathing through, living through. When you, just, when you leave church today, when you leave this place, this gathering place that we've come together, read the sign as you go out. You're now entering your mission field. Be the church that God has called you to be. Lord Jesus, we come before you today. And Lord, we, uh, we, ask, for, um, we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, God, forgive us. When we've come and we've only looked at ourselves and what I'm getting out of this and we haven't looked to lost people, there's so many Zacchaeuses that are around us that, that need grace. Yes, Jesus could have sat there and, and condemned Zacchaeus. Jesus knew all the sin in Zacchaeus' life. He could have called him out while he was in that sycamore tree, but he didn't. He didn't call him out. He called him to himself. And he did the most intimate thing that someone could do at that time. And he sat down and he ate with his family. He didn't put a bunch of rules and regulations on him. He saw that Zacchaeus' heart changed because, because of the grace that was bestowed upon him through Jesus Christ. May we be a people of grace and mercy to allow people's hearts to change and to repent and to come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Allow us to continually be the movement that you called us to be. We thank you, Lord, for all you do for us each and every day. You're so good. May we see, God, that church isn't about church people. Church is about lost people. Let us continue to have a deeper love for this world. Even when they don't agree with us, 
when they come against some of the things that we stand for. Jesus, you said, Father God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You still died for them. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that you give us each and every day, Jesus. Tenderize our hearts, we pray today in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and we're going to sing this today. Listen, you know, some of you are here today and maybe you've kind of lost a little faith in the church because you've been hurt in the past. I'm sorry for that. People are going to make mistakes. They're going to make wrong choices. But don't, don't allow that to stop you from finding healing and forgiveness because Jesus is still the same even though people may have made mistakes in the past. As we said last week, I believe, like Charles Spurgeon said, the church is the dearest place on earth. Just this. How else do you get a bunch of people with a bunch of different backgrounds together and worshiping together? Because we're worshiping one Lord. That's what binds us together. We are worshiping one Lord, Jesus Christ. And that's what makes the church so beautiful that we're able to offer forgiveness and grace when we don't deserve it. That's what makes the church beautiful. So let's keep coming back to Christ and allowing him to heal us and bring forgiveness. So let's sing this as our prayer as we close today. God bless you.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. It's a good day. A very good day today. Listen, as you go today and as I just dismiss you, if anyone just needs prayer today, anything that you're going through today, we will, our prayer partners are always up front here and um, we'll pray with you whatever you're going through. We don't want you to leave this place without feeling that some needs are met in your life, so we'd be more than willing um, uh, to pray with you. Also, listen, if you're here today and you're growing in your faith, uh, check out the information table at the Welcome Center. We've got a book called What Now? That's free for you. The Bible's in the back. The seats are free if you don't have one. Those are available to you to help you in your walk with the Lord. Amen? Let's give the Lord just, just a hand clap. Just thank you, him. He's worthy. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Go in God's grace. Amen.